Was that cool or what? Wasn't that? You know what? We live in Austin. And so we get, at special times during the year, we get to have some really cool live musicians come to our church. But even more so, did you recognize some of the people in the Rocket Boys? They're on our worship team. That's cool to have people who are that professional can go everywhere all the time. They're part of our worship team. And I want to call attention to something. You remember Whitney, she said this was her favorite band. In case you don't know it, the guy right here, that's her husband. Okay? So, if they, I mean, now they're probably her favorite because they also happen to be good. But it's a good thing that they're, their, that they're her favorite band. I would worry about Whitney. Uh, and Justin, you know, if that wasn't their favorite band. So I'm just so glad that we got to have the Rocket Boys here on, uh, on a time when, when they're spending the rest of the time during the week. They'll be doing other things, but they're here with us on Sunday mornings. By the way, something else. Did you notice how gorgeous it is outside? Oh, isn't that cool? I mean, the sun came out. I did a wedding yesterday, and, and, uh, and it was not ideal weather for a wedding. Uh, but it's Sunday and the clouds cleared and it's sunny. Now I was looking on my iPhone this morning to see what the weather was going to be like next Sunday. And according to my iPhone next Sunday, it's also supposed to be clear. But sometimes, you know, whoever puts that on the iPhone doesn't always know what they're doing. And, and so it may or may not be clear next Sunday. It could be raining. Okay, if it's raining, if it's raining, okay, now this just between us, okay, if it's raining, tell Mac the clouds cleared for Terry, okay? <laughs> we won't, I won't do, don't tell him that came from me, okay? That's just y'all, and if two or three of you tell him that, that would just really be cool. Now, he will probably have some. He's really fast on his feet. I've never been able to think as fast as Matt can think. And, and so he's going to come up with a, spa, a response because he's not going to let me win. Okay, I know that right now. But for just a second, just a second, he's going to have to think about some cool response to you implying that Terry's more spiritual than he is. Okay, so, so be sure. If it rains, that's what's happening. Now, I have another question to ask you, okay? Do you ever think back on some decision that you made in the past and you wonder how your life would be different today if you had made a different decision back then? My son Kevin was in the ninth grade, and uh, he had just gone into the ninth grade when we moved from Texas to Oregon, and he was not at all happy with that move. He tried to talk me out of that for months, that I would actually move him from Texas to Oregon when he was getting ready to start the ninth grade. Well, on the very first day of school, Kevin was in a new school, new people, didn't know anybody, sitting on the floor in the hallway with his back up against the wall, had some of his materials out in front of him. He was trying to get them organized, the stuff that the teachers had given them the very first day of school. And all of a sudden, he felt that somebody had sat down next to him and was right up against his shoulder. And uh, he just 
turned and looked, and there was this very attractive ninth grade girl right up in his face. And, uh, and she said, hi, and she reached out with her hand and put it on his thigh. And then she said, you must be the new kid from Texas. Now, let me just tell you something about Kevin. He was a preacher's kid, but a ninth grade preacher's kid has all the same hormones that every other ninth grade boy is going to have. And they were probably off the charts along about now. And plus the fact he's really ticked off at me for moving him to this school where he's going to have to deal with stuff like this. What if, how, uh, what if Kevin responds one way or the other to what is obviously a very hot ninth grade girl inviting him into a sexual relationship? Now, Kevin was a Christ follower. He had been a Christ follower from the time he was a little bitty guy before he ever started school. But don't we all know Christ followers who have made foolish decisions back there somewhere and end up living with the consequences of those decisions for a long time? We all know Christ followers like that, don't we? We've been several weeks now into a series called Come and Get It. And during this whole series, we have been, been trying to figure out how to take God up on his Psalm 34 promise where God says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, God, he doesn't want store brand weenies on our grill. He wants inch and a half ribeyes cooked just the way we want them. Now, please, please, please understand. I'm speaking metaphorically here. Really, if you, if you leave here and say, Terry says God wants me to have inch and a half ribeyes cooked medium well. No. Okay, no, 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 no. Or medium or however you like it. That's not, well, that is sort of what I'm saying. But I'm saying it metaphorically. God is not a a the server or the, the, in a restaurant hanging around waiting for us to order so that he knows how we want our steaks fixed. But God does want us to come and get it. He does want us to taste and see that the Lord is good. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said... I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And 500 years before Jesus, the prophet Jeremiah said, in Jeremiah chapter 29, he said, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And they are good plans, really good plans. Now, by the way, speaking of good plans that God has for you, the Sunday after Easter, Patsy and I are going to begin a new group for people who are fairly new in their relationship with Jesus Christ. They're new Christ followers. 
starts the Sunday after Easter. We're calling it Launching the Christian Life. And it's going to last for six weeks. And during those six weeks, our goal, our desire is to launch new Christ followers at Lake Hills Church into a life in which they actually begin to take advantage of all of those good plans that God has for them. And we're doing this because we know that there is more to an abundant Christian life than just praying a prayer of commitment to Christ. And even more than just then holding your hand up and say, I just prayed that prayer. So if you are a new Christ follower, and by new, I say, if you've been a Christ follower for, uh, say, five years or less, and you would like an invitation to this group, to be a part of this group, if you will just take this uh, come and get it card on the uh, program, on the, on the back, there's a connect card. If you will just put your name on there and an email and just write me a note, say, Terry, send me an invitation then I'd be more than happy to send you an invitation to be a part of this group. You see, folks, just because someone is a Christ follower, whether they've been a Christ follower for five years or a Christ follower for 50 years, that doesn't mean that they're eating ribeyes from God's table. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, That people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And then they get angry at God, angry at the Lord. Foolish decisions can ruin the quality of anybody's life. Whether they're a Christ follower or, or whether they worship green lizards. Kevin was a Christ follower. But that did not make him immune from a fully making a foolish decision that could Im- impact his quality of life for possibly a long time. Now, let me say this. <clears throat> if Kevin made a foolish decision, God could redeem it because he's God. That's just something that God does. He can redeem a foolish decision so that somewhere down the road, People will look at the way God has redeemed Kevin's foolish decision and say, wow, look what God did. Isn't that cool? And it would be cool. But what about Kevin's ninth grade year? Before God redeems that foolish decision. If Kevin had made a foolish decision In the ninth grade, the first day of school, that could affect the trajectory of his life for his whole ninth grade year. In fact, it could affect the trajectory of of his life all through high school and, and, and and even beyond. What's true for Kevin is true for us. God can redeem our foolish decisions because he's God. And he can take the consequences of those foolish decisions and somehow move things around so that they're actually a good that comes out of foolishness. But 
God did not draw us into a relationship with himself so that we could make foolish decisions and then he could pull us out of the fire. That's not why he drew us into a relationship with himself. So Proverbs chapter 2 says, The Lord grants wisdom. And then once you have this wisdom, he says the Lord grants wisdom, then you will find the right way to go. God wants to give us wisdom so we can see the world through his eyes. So we can live our lives as he, as God intends for them to be lived. So that we can live the abundant Christian life. The way God has it all laid out for us to live. And, and you know he does that because he really does want us as his kids to have a quality of life that is on a higher level than people who are not kids here, his kids. And in that, if we have a quality of life that is higher than people who are not Christ followers then maybe they will want to come and taste and see that God is good also. But that's God's desire. He wants our quality of life to be on a different plane. And so it's because of this that he gives wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. In other words, here's wisdom. Come get it. Come get it. Taste and see it's a good thing. Now, what if we actually take God up on his promise? What if we pray? We do exactly what he says in James chapter 1. What if we need wisdom and we pray and we say, oh, God. I don't know how to do this. God, give me wisdom so I will know the right way to go. What if we do that? What if we pray that prayer? How is God going to then give us that wisdom, the wisdom that he promised? The Bible tells us that there are five possible sources from which God can draw in order to give us that wisdom. The first is actually our own personal experience. We're supposed to learn from our mistakes. <laughs> One of my, a proverb that I, I never, I always enjoy quoting, where a uh, proverb says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool that repeats his folly. That's not God's plan. It's a very colorful proverb that we repeat our folly. We're supposed to learn from it. We're not supposed to do the same thing again. If it's wrong, we'll learn from it. So that's one source of wisdom, personal experience. A second source of wisdom is from other people. God says we can learn from their mistakes so that we don't make the same mistake. Or if that other person happens to be a wise person, we can learn from their wisdom. So that's the second possible source of wisdom. A third possible source of wisdom that we, that we are told about in the Bible is creation itself. 
You see, Proverbs chapter 8 says that wisdom was actually the schematic that God used in order to create the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. And since wisdom, since God used wisdom to create, we can look at what he created and actually learn wisdom from observing what God created. That's what Proverbs is talking about when it talks about taking about watching ants of all things. Proverbs chapter 6 says, take a lesson from ants. They labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. So by God's word, say, just look at creation. You can even gain wisdom from watching creation. A fourth source of wisdom that God can use to answer our prayer is, is what I want to call a direct revelation. Mean, meaning God speaks directly to us. Maybe using a dream, a vision, uh, or a spiritual impression. Now let me just say here that the Bible is very clear. This is not the usual way that God answers our prayer for wisdom. And the Bible is also very clear that if we have a vision or a dream or an impression that it, and, and if it is from God, that it's going to fit the parameters that we have in the Bible. In fact, the Bible even takes it one step farther in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Bible says that even when God speaks to us, that he will do something to then confirm that what we thought was from God really is from God. So that's the fourth possible source of wisdom. But there's a fifth. And the fifth source of wisdom to go the right way, to make wise decisions and avoid foolish decisions, the fifth source of wisdom is the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, Scripture corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So God put wisdom in here, in his word, so that we could do what is right. It's in the Bible. That's, he's given this to us. He says, you're praying for wisdom? Here. Here. Here it is. If you want wisdom, it's right here. It's between, Mal it's between Genesis and Revelation. Okay, so if this, is, if this is the normal way, the major way, the most common way that God gives us wisdom is from his word, how do we get at it? Are we supposed to, to then pray and say, okay, God, I'm in desperate need of wisdom. And then read what it is? Folks, that does not work. I have tried that. I have tried that so many, many times. It does not work. That's not the plan. Proverbs chapter 2 gives us the plan. Proverbs chapter 2 says that if we really, this is in the context of wisdom, gaining wisdom from God. Proverbs chapter 2 says, search for it as you would for silver. Seek it out like you would for a hidden treasure. In other words, the Bible is here. It really is. 
But you have to go in here and dig it out and search for it. You can't just open it and point. God says it's here. I want you to know all of it. And that means you're going to have to look through here and search for it and dig it up. About 40 years, in fact, it's within a few months of 40 years ago, I began my personal search in the Bible for wisdom. I was facing two things, big things that I did not know how to do. I had, Patsy and I had already been married for about six years. And I realized I had no idea how to be the husband that she needed to be. You'd think I would have learned it before six years, but I didn't know how to do that. And I said, oh, God, I need to know how to be the husband she needs. At that particular time, Patsy and I had, had a two-year-old, Kevin. And, and I knew I didn't know how to be the dad that Kevin needed me to be. And so I prayed, oh, God, I need wisdom. Give me wisdom. And you know what is really cool? Patsy was, unknown to me, Patsy was doing the same thing. She realized she didn't know how to be the wife I needed. She realized she didn't know how to be the mom that Kevin needed. And so she was praying for wisdom. And, and we didn't just pray, we started searching. We start, I started reading the Bible, said, God, show me how to do this. And I started reading, it was 40 years ago. Every single day I was on this search for treasure, this search for wisdom in the Bible. And you know what we've discovered? And folks, she looks younger than me, but she's not. Okay? <laughs> Let me just tell you, she's not. Okay. In 40 years, we've been through lots of seasons, lots of them. And what we've discovered is the Bible has wisdom for every season of life. Every single one. You see, there's a right way to live through a season of life. And there's a foolish way to live through a season of life. And the Bible gives us wisdom for every single season. For example, I can remember when Kevin was three years old. And he had... Anger management issues, and uh, and and um, and I mean, and and somewhere in between temper tantrum two hundred fifty six and temper tantrum two hundred fifty seven, somewhere in that little narrow gap, Patsy was reading in Proverbs, and she and she she was searching how do I deal with temper tantrums, and and she read in Proverbs sixteen. He who controls his spirit is stronger than the mighty. And so she took her Bible and she got down with Kevin. And she said, Kevin, do you want to be strong? Well, what three-year-old little boy doesn't want to be strong? And he said, yes. And so she opened to Proverbs chapter 16. And she read, he who controls his spirit is stronger than the mighty. You know what? She didn't even have to explain that to him. He made the instant connection between temper tantrums and controlling his spirit. And for the first time, we began to see progress in our little three-year-old son who had anger management issues. I can almost imagine 
that, that at some point in this gaining control of his spirit process that, that, that Kevin was just getting ready to have a big temper tantrum and he remembered he who controls his spirit is stronger than the mighty and he stopped and he controlled. And it's not hard for me to imagine that he went into the bathroom and looked in the mirror to see how strong he was. He was always looking in the mirror. What, every time he got a new outfit, he wanted to see how he looked in it. So it's not hard at all for me to imagine that. Later, when the kids were a little bit older, we had three kids. They were in, in grade school, and they were, there was just, all of them are very strong-willed kids, and they were always in conflict. And, and sometimes I couldn't figure out who was right and who was wrong. Sometimes I didn't know whose fault it was. And it just drove me nuts because I didn't know how to stop this thing in a way that wouldn't get me in trouble with child protective services. And, 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 so, and, and so I was just driving me nuts. And one day I was, I was reading in the Bible and, and I read in Proverbs where it says, casting the lot, casting the lot settles disputes. And I thought, I wonder. I just wonder. And so, I lost my quarter. I was supposed to have a quarter. Somebody have a quarter. Somebody let me have a quarter. I'll promise I'll pay it back. Where'd I put? Oh, wait, it's my other pocket. I found it. Why did I put it in that other pocket? Okay. So, didn't have to wait long. Conflict. And so, I walked in and I said, okay, guys, y'all wait just a second. And I took out a quarter, and I said, call it. And they both kind of looked at me, what? And I said, call it, heads or tails. And so one of them decided they would call it, and heads or tails. And I looked down, and whatever it was, that settled. I said, okay, you're, you're, I, I find this in your favor. And it settled it. It really worked. It really did work. They parted. They weren't necessarily friends, okay, but it settled the conflict. And, and, and let's go back to Kevin. He's in the hallway. Three years before, Kevin was in the hallway with this hot ninth-grade girl that was setting a trap for him. Okay, three years before that, Kevin had completed what we refer to as, as the Proverbs Project. Patsy and I put together a, pro, a project where, where our our 12-year-olds would read through Proverbs a number of times and, and in order to discover biblical principles for seven big areas of life, very important areas, hoping that they would then take ownership of those biblical values. Well, one of those big areas had to do with Kevin's sexuality. And in that Proverbs project, one of the passages that Kevin came to in Proverbs chapter 7, one of the passages goes like this. She seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its liver. That night, Kevin told me all about this. And he said, Dad, all I could think about was that arrow piercing my liver. And so, I, I mean, I, that was just so cool. Okay, I mean, he, and, and, and so while he's sitting there with visions of an arrow piercing his 
That's who our liver is. With an arrow piercing his liver. Kevin's thinking that, and, and he reached down, and he picked up her hand, and he moved it over to her lap, and he says, it's so nice to meet you. I have to go to class. And then he left. Now, you know, a while ago I asked you a question. Can you think back on a decision that you made and wonder how your life would be different now if you made a different decision? I can't help but think how Kevin's life might be different now if he had made a different decision when he was in the ninth grade. In fact, I can't help but think how would his life be different now if he hadn't done the Proverbs Project. The Bible is full, full of wisdom for every season of life. Wisdom related to how you deal with your finances, wisdom related to your career. If you're, if, if you're a boss person, the Bible gives you insights on what kind of people to hire and what kind of people to fire. If you're not the boss but you're working for a boss, the Bible gives you wisdom about how to respond to your boss, even the ones you don't like. It's in the Bible, really. It really is. The Bible gives you wisdom on, on friendships, how to pick friendships that are going to make you a better person and how to recognize friendships that are not going to make you a better person. Bible principles about leadership, about morality, about, about family. The Bible gives you wisdom on how to relate to your parents if you're young and they're old. The Bible gives you wisdom on how to relate to your parents if you're old and they're older. Okay, it's in the Bible. The Bible is full of wisdom on how to deal with the down times of life when your vision that you started with is dead and gone. The Bible gives wisdom on how to deal with that. The Bible gives wisdom on, on grief, how to deal with grief. It's all in the Bible. And God says, just come get it. God invites us to taste and see it really is good. Now, if you are a Christ follower, regardless of what season of life you are in right now, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you willing to test God's promise? You remember God's promise in James chapter 1? If any man lacks wisdom, if you lack wisdom... Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. If you're a Christ follower, are you willing to test that promise? Now, if you are and you pray that prayer, God give me wisdom, then are you also willing to follow through and look for it the way God says to, that he wants to give you that wisdom? And if you say, yes, 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 I'm going to pray and ask God for wisdom. Yes, I'm going to be, I'm willing to follow God exactly the way he says and look for wisdom where he has it in the Bible. Then would you be willing for the next 
five months, just five months. I'm asking it for five months. I'm believing that if you taste the Lord, it's going to be good and you're going to keep going. But just five months. Pray in just a moment. We're going to pray. And if you're a Christ follower, you can pray and say, God, give me wisdom. And after you pray that prayer, for the next five months, set aside 20 minutes a day. That's it. Just 20 minutes. And spend two-thirds of that 20 minutes in the Bible and one-third of that 20 minutes a day in prayer. And wherever you're reading in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, wherever, include one chapter of Proverbs for every day of the month. Today's the 22nd. If I started that today, I would read Proverbs 22. If I wait and start tomorrow, I would read Proverbs 23. I'm not going to go back to 22 because whatever day of the month, that's the proverb you read. Now, I'm, I'm aware that some months... I mean, there's th- there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Some months have more than 30, or have less than 31 days. I know that. Okay, but you, you're smart. You can figure that out. Okay, so, but just for every day of the month, read that chapter every day. What that means is in the next five months, you will read through Proverbs five times. And you will be testing, testing to see. Testing God on his promise. Come and get it. It's wisdom. I want to give it to you. But you know what, folks? The Bible is more than a book about wisdom. It's more than a book about marriage and family. It's more than a book about your career. It's more than a book about your sexuality. It's more than a book about how to cook ribeyes. It's more than that. The Bible is a book about God. God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and then he stepped back and he looked at it, and it was good, really, really good. But the Bible is also about how sin entered into that creation and took God's good creation and made it toxic. But it doesn't stop there because God wasn't through. God sent his own son into this world, into this toxic world that used to be good and now it's toxic. toxic. He sent his own son into that world and his son died. In order to defeat death for us. So that then God could reclaim his creation. And make it good again. When God invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. That invitation is more than just gaining wisdom. He wants us to know his goodness. And so he invites us to taste because he knows that if we really taste his goodness, then we will want more and more until somewhere along the way, we're no longer thinking about ribeyes. We just want to know God. You see, you were created to have a relationship with 
God. To really know Him. God created you for that. And it is in that relationship with God that life has meaning. It's in that relationship with God that, 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 that life makes sense. Now, that doesn't mean all those other things are important. But the truth is, life is more than ribeyes. Life is more than finding the right career. Life is more than finding the right person to marry. Life is more than building a healthy family, happy family. Although, when you prayed that prayer and committed your life to Jesus Christ and then held up your hand, that may have been what you wanted at that time. And that's okay. Life is more than that. All of that, that's just a byproduct. We were created for a relationship with God. And we're never going to be content with anything apart from that relationship with God. Now I have one more question. If you have never entered into that relationship with God, do you want to? And if you want to, do you want to now? Will you bow your heads? If you're a Christ follower and you want to test God's promise for wisdom, then in a moment when we pray, ask God, God, I need wisdom. Test him. And then for the next five months, you can follow through on that plea with God for wisdom. If you are not a Christ follower and you want to enter into that relationship with God right now, you can do that. That abundant life that Christ has for you can begin right now. You can start that spiritual journey, tasting to see that the Lord is good. You can do it right now. It's real simple. You just pray. You pray something like, Jesus, I believe in you. And if you want to, under your breath right now, just pray that. Just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And then, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Very, very simple. That can begin a spiritual journey for you in which God begins to put together the good plans that he has for you. Jesus, just say to Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, you died for me. I believe that. And Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. And see, when you do that, he will do that because he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave and now he is ready to send his spirit, his Holy Spirit into your life. If you just ask him to come in and be your Lord. So pray that right now. Jesus. I believe in you. 
Jesus, I believe you died for me and God raised you from the dead. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Now, if you just prayed that prayer or something similar to that, I'm going to, while everybody has your hands bowed, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you will, just raise your hand up and keep it up. I'm asking you to do this for two reasons. One is to mark this time, the time that you raised your hand because you committed your life to Jesus Christ and asked Him to be your Lord. But I'm also asking you to raise your hand just to let God know you're serious. To let Jesus know you're serious. You really want Him in your life to be your Lord. Just put your hand up there, hold it for just a few seconds. Now we have a tradition at Lake Hills Church. And our tradition is when you put your hand down, we celebrate the decision you just made. So you can put your hands down and we are glad. I wanna welcome you into the family of God.